Stereotypes don't tell the whole story. I'm your host, Annie Prafke, and you're listening to Misfits, a podcast featuring discussions with people who felt like black sheep in their communities because of their identity. Kristen Frank is an emotional health facilitator, trauma-informed adaptive yoga instructor, mindfulness educator, and Reiki practitioner, based in Moorhead, Minnesota. She is listed as an advanced facilitator for integrative processing technique with the Institute of Healing Arts. Along with her many roles, Kristen is also a person living with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a group of hereditary connective tissue disorders characterized by elastic skin, hypermobile joints, and weakened muscle and tissue. Today, we talk about Kristen's views on how to best support someone with chronic pain, teaching adaptive yoga for every body, and learning to let go of negativity through Reiki. To begin, Kristen talks about what Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or EDS, is, and her journey to getting diagnosed. Yeah, so it's a group of 13 different types of connective tissue disorders, and it's comprised of collagen. So our body creates collagen. It's basically the glue that holds us together. So when you have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, you still produce collagen, but basically it's defective. And yeah, so you can have faulty collagen that creates hypermobility, dislocations of the joint, stretchy skin, weak vessels, prolapsed organs, like there's weak muscle tone and lots of other things that go along with that. But yeah, that's primarily it in a nutshell. And when were you diagnosed with EDS? So I actually wasn't diagnosed with EDS until I was 40. Starting back in childhood, probably in elementary school is when I started having chronic pain. And nobody knew exactly what was wrong with me. They knew it was something with my joints, but they weren't really sure what. So I actually started having surgeries. I had three knee surgeries in between my seventh and eighth grade year. And I remember probably the the recovery of my second knee surgery. I remember overhearing my mom and my uncle talking, and he had suggested that she take me to see a psychiatrist because they both thought that I might be attention-seeking. Yeah, it was a really big defining moment for me because that's when I started really understanding that the way people saw us is sort of how we put beliefs about ourselves out, right? And so um, I started seeing myself a little differently and I started questioning what my body was feeling. and, And that really is a huge a huge undertaking for someone so young. And I think that that's still true today because EDS is, along with chronic pain, is it's an invisible disease. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've heard that from quite a few friends I know who have either conditions that aren't as common or conditions that are just very difficult to diagnose. 
they describe the pain and the symptoms they're feeling. But after a point, it's it's like even doctors stop believing them, which yeah. is really frustrating when, you know, you know it to be true and that this is how you're feeling. And people are just invalidating that. Yeah. And so by the time I was 40, I had seen countless doctors. I think at that point, I'd probably had 20 plus surgeries. And I took a chance and I saw a new doctor who was actually an osteopath. And she was new at Sanford and Fargo, um, where I live. And she was able to diagnose me almost immediately. She told me that she believed that I had Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, what it was, and also um, a disorder called ankylosing spondylitis. I actually am positive for an HLA B27 gene that is a gene for autoimmune disorders, which is very common. It's one of the comorbid conditions that you can have with EDS. And so at 40, that's that's a long time to go without a diagnosis, but I think that that's also extremely common. So I finally got answers instead of having, you know, doctors always recognize that there was something wrong, but they could never put their finger on it. And I passed the gene on to my son, unfortunately, who also has EDS. When we are diagnosed at a younger age, obviously, there's a lot more that we can do about it because there are you know, physical therapy, um, adaptations that we can have. And I, you know, I wonder where I would be today in my adult life had we actually known and been able to treat some of the things that I had when I was younger. Yeah, it's it's good that you can be there for your son then as someone who has a firsthand experience with the with the condition. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like EDS can kind of manifest itself in different ways. I'm wondering what kind of challenges EDS poses for you specifically in your daily life? Well, first thing I think is sort of not beating yourself up because it took me a really long time to figure out how to have grace for myself. Moving through pain and fatigue every single day in every joint, I think is something really, really challenging. And I have arthritis throughout my entire body. I go through daily subluxations, sometimes dislocations, muscle spasms. And just with that, pain can be such a challenge of not trying to let it consume you. And it took me 46 years to learn that, and it's still a work in progress. And I actually learned grace through one of my yoga mentors. And um, that was a really big lesson for me because, like I said, I mean, I always have pain and it's something that I've always known since I was quite young. So I think that's the biggest challenge. Um, the fatigue is a really big thing too. I don't know if you have ever heard of the spoon theory. I have not. So there's a, a community and we call ourselves spoonies, right? So the theory goes something like every single day we have the same number of spoons. So say that we start out with six spoons a day. And for each activity that we do, you, we use a spoon. But for those with chronic conditions, what may take one person, one spoon, might take four for someone with a chronic condition. And so if we start the day out with six and we use four just by getting up and getting ready in the morning, it means we have two spoons for the rest of the day. And if we have kids, if we have a job, if we have other things that we need to do, we could already be out of spoons by noon. And so we're completely depleted, still trying to move through life and do the very best that we can. And I think that's why depression for people with chronic pain is so huge. Because you don't know, you don't know how to um, 
how to move through your day. You don't know how to continue showing up when you are constantly depleted. And that's, it's a really hard thing for anybody. And in what ways can someone with a family member or a friend living with EDS or maybe a similar condition, in what ways do you think they could provide the best support for that person? I think the biggest thing is just believing them because we look okay, right? And it doesn't mean that we are okay. So periodically just asking if there's anything that you can do to help, continue to ask us to get together, even though nine times out of 10, you probably cancel plans. And it's not that you don't want to go out and do the things you do. It's just that sometimes you physically can't. And so you just simply run out of spoons. That was Kristen Frank, emotional health facilitator, yoga instructor, and Reiki practitioner, all of which she will talk about next. To begin, Kristen talks about what an emotional health facilitator does and why she wanted to become one. So the particular modality that I'm trained in is called integrative processing technique. And ultimately, it's a four-step process to go back and we go back to an age of decision where there was a belief system that you determined at a very young age, more than likely, about yourself or about life or about relationships. And so when we have repressed emotion, sometimes it's what we carry and sometimes it's genetic, like in other words, like genetic conditions like EDS, it's generational. And so we're going back to an age of decision to start to relook at events that really have shaped us into the person that we are today and how carrying that emotion always manifests physically in the body. So a couple, well, I suppose it's been probably about a year and a half ago, I ended up having a session myself and it was transformative for me. I, I really didn't even see that coming where a certain belief that I had back from my childhood was radically affecting the way I live my life in present time. And so um, after one more session, I just knew that it was something that I had to learn how to do to, to help myself. Um, I'm always looking at holistic ways rather than just a, a medication or trying to prevent another surgery always looking at a way to help my body compensate, to help me work through what it is that I'm really challenged with or what my struggles are. And I think emotional health and well-being is something that most of us don't look at because we don't want to do the work because it's, it's a lot. The truth is ugly. And when we're forced to look at it, that can be a really hard thing. And it can be triggering for some people, but we also have to look at what it is that we're repressing in order to meet it head on. And so that's been very, very helpful for me looking at pain from a very different perspective and how I can move through it. And I was fortunate enough to do one of the integrative processing technique sessions with you. And I was also very amazed. It's, it's kind of a combination of all of these things that I've found have been very helpful for me. So I also practice yoga uh, and with, within that meditation and visualization. And it also felt kind of a little bit like a therapy session in a, yeah. in a good way where I'm looking at my past and limiting beliefs that, that I have had and formed, which is another big thing in yoga as well. And just how those, those stories that we create about ourselves, which often are not true, right. really do affect our whole mindset and our whole direction after that point. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it is sometimes very, very eye-opening 
when we look at something that we thought was true and it's not the way we remember it because really all we are is memory and so all of the all of the things in our experiences in present time are really based upon things that we learned in childhood and they're not necessarily true not true in the in the sense of how it really happened it was our perception at the time and um and those beliefs are really limiting you know, if you talk to other family members who are at that same point, they're going to remember it completely differently. The things right. that got out of it were completely different. So it's, it's a Absolutely. good, a good exercise, I think. Yeah, I agree. So you're also a yoga teacher, um, and you specifically work or you are trained in adaptive yoga. Could you explain a little bit about what adaptive yoga looks like to you and your practice? Yeah, so when I first started practicing yoga, I still I enjoyed the practice so much, but my body physically was unable to do a lot of the poses. And the teachers that I saw locally didn't know how to modify my poses or how to tell me how to modify my poses for my particular condition. So it was during my practice that my son actually started having some issues with anxiety. And his doctor said, well, I, I, diagnose this and I recommend yoga and meditation. And there wasn't anyone here that could teach to what he was experiencing. Nobody here taught kids how to be with their emotions and how to move through it. So I decided to jump all in and I discovered a particular modality called creative relaxation. And that was yoga for children with autism and special needs. And I connected with the teacher and the founder of this program and I flew out to New Hampshire to learn it. And that practice and those people completely changed my life in a matter of four days. I saw the world and I saw myself very differently. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it's very true that when you finally are able to go inward, things look very different. And so I had no intention of teaching other than helping my son. But when I came back home, things just looked very different. And so I started teaching. And then it became, okay, how can I help myself? Because no one here could really help me with modifications for my particular disability. And so I got my 200-hour yoga teacher certificate. And I started exploring more in-depth practices of how to teach to someone through trauma loss and disability. And that's, that's really how, how I teach now, how I show up every day is with grace. And so I'm able to teach to anybody, any particular body, not just anyone and with any condition. And it's really just finding the shape of the pose and really exploring sensation and grounding and expansion rather than alignment and the shape of the pose. And so I see things very differently than a lot of teachers do because we are constantly trying to move away from pain instead of leaning into it. And emotionally or physically, that's something that we have to do in order to move through it. And so if we can become bigger than the feeling, I think that we can overcome it. Right. I think that's beautiful. I'm also doing a an online yoga teacher training and, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to teach either, but it it really is 
transformative, at least in my experience. And it gets me thinking. And one of the sections is on adaptive yoga. And they talk about, you know, there's all kinds of power yoga and very heavily alignment-based yoga, which are great too. But a lot of times in those classes, they make all kinds of assumptions about what people can or can't do. And so they assume everyone can stand up and raise their arms above their head and all these things that you know, it might not be possible for someone. And if you have a teacher that's just trying to force that or force people into poses, it can be, you know, not only push them away from wanting to do the class, but it can really harm them as well. So I think adaptive yoga is really beautiful for that. It makes it more accessible for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a really different thing to like teaching online as opposed to teaching in person. And the studio that I teach at is Eche Yoga Studio in Fargo. And We've primarily been teaching online just because of COVID and so many of us are sensitive. And that's a very different thing because not being able to see someone and how how they might be struggling or to be able to feel the energy in the room has been really challenging. But it also opens up so many doors for people being able to practice with a teacher across the world. And I think that's also a gift. So it's it's learning how to adapt teaching styles as well. It's been a challenge. Oh, I'm sure. I've heard that from all kinds of teachers. It's it's a different beast when you have to do it virtually. So It is. I think it's really beautiful that you started your yoga journey to be able to do yoga with your son. Do you, mm-hmm. do you still practice yoga together? Is that something that he has continued? No, because he's 15. And I think at a certain point, he finally said to me, Mom, this is your thing. It's not my thing. But I am still teaching to children. And so I I actually teach a medically based program at Beyond Boundaries, which is an organization that teaches um, speech, occupational and physical therapy to kiddos and young adults with disabilities. And so I run a summer camp, a yoga camp. And um, those kids have become my entire world. I mean, that's that's really where my heart is, is teaching to people that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to practice, whatever that is. And it's seeing each other very differently and exploring the different ways that we can show up for each other as opposed to just for ourselves. And I think that's one of the beautiful things of yoga. I mean, it isn't just the practice on the mat. It's learning how to be your best self. And when we can teach that to kids, I think that that's a huge gift. I mean, they're our future. So um, so I'm really, really proud to be a part of something so amazing. I, I discovered yoga fairly young. I was 15, I think, when I went to my first yoga class. And I really wish that I had gone earlier. All the things it did for my mental health and relaxation and focusing, uh, I think it's a great thing for a lot of kids. And like you said, a lot of kids don't have access or they just wouldn't think to to do that. They don't think that it's um, a practice that's for them when it should be for everyone. Well, and one of my students in particular this past summer, yoga was actually one of his trigger words. So I had to get really creative with the wording that I could use and what we did so that it didn't feel like yoga to him. And by the end of the class, our last day, we always do this thing where I have the kids, we, we give each other compliments and we do this compliment web. And one of the things that he said was how much he loved yoga and was going to miss it. And we couldn't even mention the word when we started. So 
being able to see people's progress and even my own progress just through the practice has been so transformational. Yeah, it sounds like uh, he's he's really transformed and, and gone through a big change in a positive way. So it's good to yeah. see the, the fruits of the labor. It is. I also want to ask you a little bit about Reiki. So Reiki is something I've heard of, but I ashamedly do not know much about and probably couldn't even describe it concisely. So for, for other folks who are not as familiar with the practice, could you explain a little bit about what that is and maybe how it fits into all of these other things that you do? Yeah, so Reiki is actually an energy healing modality. And I'm big into energy. It's just something that a lot of people don't understand because they can't see it, but we can feel it. Um, for instance, when when someone walks into a room, we can feel whether or not they're in a good mood or a bad mood and how the whole energy can shift when someone's in a really bad mood or how other people can just uplift us. And so when we look at Reiki as a healing modality, it's much the same. It's it's stagnation, stagnation of energy that can be trapped in our chakras or our energy centers, how it can create pain in your knee, for instance, or, you know, swelling in a shoulder. So we're basically just beginning to move energy and align the chakras and the meridians. And it's very light touching. So I'm looking at how energy is moving. I can intuitively feel where there is stagnation or, or energy stuck, ultimately in motion. And we just begin to open up those energy centers and get it flowing again. And it's comparative. Like when I receive it, it feels like you're floating in warm water. It's incredibly relaxing. And for people that, you know, are a little afraid of the woo woo. Right. It's it's kind of like a massage without a lot of deep touching. So we are not doing anything um, deep tissue. It's just really on the surface. But there's a sense of warmth and comfort that comes with it. And it's just deeply relaxing. And so when we can look at healing through a different scope like that, there are so many good things that it does for our immunology or our immunity. Yeah. And we're just, we're releasing the things that we don't need and we're making room for the things that we do need. Yeah. I think too, with the kind of feeling energy and where it's stored in the body, I think is really fascinating. I, I know my mom for a long time has just really held stress in her legs. She always has very sore legs. They're always very tight. She has to get massages to loosen it up so she can even like walk sometimes. And I always thought that was so strange growing up. But now as I've gotten older, I realize that I hold stress and tension in the exact same place. And so now even being in my mid, starting to enter my upper 20s, I feel it in the same spot. It's the exact same spots that she feels tension uh, and tightness. And I have leg pain now too. And it's fascinating how that gets manifest because I'm adopted. So there's nothing biologically or genetically similar between us. It's what we've learned and what we've picked up from being around each other. Absolutely. And it's where we store, right? Where we store things and, and issues with the legs can really have to do with an inability to move forward or a fear of the future. And so when we start looking at the emotions attached to what we're feeling physically, it's kind of mind blowing, right? I mean, so much of what I experience in my joints and my spine has to do with support and not feeling supported. And I was shamed so much as a child for being so emotionally sensitive. And so I've, I've adapted that, right? I've adopted these 
these feelings that people put on me of not being able to be emotional. And so keeping it all inside and being so sensitive, it's bound to come up physically. And for me, it's been this huge storm of things that happened in my body. And if I knew then what I know now, I wonder where I would be. But I've sort of had to let go of that and just just lean into all of the new things that I'm learning. And I'm in a better place now than I've ever been. So I really have to attribute all of these different things that I'm learning to to really finding a way to manifest health and well-being, even though I can't undo what I've done, I can find a different way forward. And that's the most important thing is finding what works for you. I mean, what we're talking about today might be completely way too much for some people, but what have you got to lose? Nothing. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I want to go a little bit in a different direction now. Uh, This is just a question I like to ask people, and I leave it very open-ended, so you can take it wherever you want. But where do you find or where do you look for community in your life? Oh, that is such a great question because I feel like community is filled with the same people who are searching for the same, same things in life, right? So for me, it is my friends, my family, my son my partner, who has been the biggest support system for me. And it's all of that encouraging each other to be your best self. For me, it's all the soul warriors who are ready to heal those really deep wounds that we all carry, the ones who are willing to see the truth. And the truth can be ugly, but it's that awareness of always feeling supported and being held in spirit by the people around me. So my yoga community, my students, my clients, those are my people, the people who aren't sitting in judgment of other people, because we're too busy judging ourselves constantly. (laughs) But it's, it's those people that are just willing to see the truth. I think that's very beautiful. For folks who are interested in learning more about you or maybe reaching out, uh, maybe they're interested in yoga or in Reiki, what's the best way to find you or to contact you? Yeah, so I'm on social media, Loma Life, Loma Life, Yoga, Wellness and and Wellbeing. And um, yeah, and I've got a website, I can send you the link, but it's got a really long domain. So uh, I can put the link in the description. That would be the easiest way. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Great. And then you teach yoga in Fargo and Reiki as well? Yeah, so I teach at Eche Yoga, and you can also find my classes at echeyoga.com. And Eche is spelled E-C-C-E. I do online classes every Wednesday at noon, so anyone can drop in on those. They're 30 minutes and they're adaptive. So we do a lot of chair yoga and just gentle movement, a lot of somatic release. Um, yeah, join me. Wonderful. We'll put all those links in the description and... Um, I'd love to take a yoga class from you sometime. I'll have to, often I work Wednesdays, but I'll have to find a time when I can make it. So Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Kristen. And I hope you uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. And thanks so much for having me. It was an honor.
Thank you for listening to Misfits. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow us on Twitter at ACXPMisfits and on Instagram at ACXPMisfits, where you can also send us a message with ideas for the show or let us know if you or anyone you know would like to come on as a guest. We'd love to have you. Just to note that this interview was recorded in February of 2022. Kristen said she still teaches her Wednesday classes at Eche Yoga, link in the description, but she will soon be offering new classes that she will co-facilitate. While she didn't do her yoga program at Beyond Boundaries last summer, you can find her other classes on her website, lomalifewholebodywellness.com, which I will also add to the podcast description. Also, thank you to Gabe Bordunker for the music in today's show.